popular question we get asked regularly is, how do I know if my customers are happy with our relationship? There's probably no better way to identify how to build better relationships with your clients than by using our Mindset Survey tool. The Sales Mindset Survey is a free-to-use tool that is revolutionizing the sales performance industry. This survey utilizes competing questions and the user's perceptions of themselves to identify just how well they truly perform. Are you manipulative or authentic, supplier or client-centric, complacent or proactively creative, overtly arrogant or tactfully audacious? There is no right or wrong and the survey will only be helpful as you are honest. But then why did you go one step further? We also offer a 360-degree perspective that allows you to share the survey with your peers and colleagues as well as your customers to gain even deeper understanding of how you sell. Do your customers see you in the same light of how you see yourself? Becoming a better salesperson has never been an easy task, but the journey can be made much quicker and more effective with the right tools. By focusing on those problem areas, you will join the top 10% of sales performers in the industry and make your way to the winner's circle. Why did you give the Sales Mindset Survey a go today? The results may just surprise you. The link to the survey is in the show notes. Now, on to the episode. Hi, my name's William Squire. I'm Head of Sales at Consalia. And today, I am the host of the Sales Transformation Podcast. Usually it's Phil, but on this special occasion, it's me. Um, and I'm joined here today with uh, our very own Luke. Uh, Luke, you have been on this podcast before, so welcome back. And um, yeah, maybe I can ask you to introduce what this uh, podcast is all about. Yeah, thanks, Will. It's good to be back on, on the podcast. Um, yeah, this podcast is for Mental Health Awareness Week uh, 2023, which uh, takes place from Monday the 15th of May. And you know, Mental Health Awareness Week is there to promote positive practices in mental health. Um, it's, you know, primarily there to, to provide information to people that, that might support them with their mental health. Uh, and of course, where we're positioned as Consalia, uh, we're doing this to talk about mental health from a, from a sales perspective and hopefully, hopefully provide our listeners with some interesting information. Yeah, and... Luke, just just to set a bit more context, I mean, we had we ran a really successful campaign last year. So perhaps you could, I mean, it was you that led it. Why don't you let people know what we did last year and why it's important to us and um, yeah, what we're doing this year? So so last year we we used a model called the five ways to well-being. It was a really simple framework for people to achieve. Uh, a positive mental well-being. So it looks at five areas. Uh, one is connect. So how are we interacting with other people? Um, how that might help our mindset. Um, it recognises that giving to people, whether that's your time or your effort or or even your companionship, can can help your mental well-being, but the mental well-being of others. Uh, one area is take notice. So it's sort of recognising the importance of coming into the present. You know, a lot of people just don't do that. We go through life 100 miles an hour, wake up, we go to work, we go home, and we never really sit there and enjoy the moment. 
one area of five ways to well-being is learn, which is, of course, very important to us being in the education sector. Uh, and finally, be active. So it sort of promotes the, the, the positive impact of, of physical practice. Um, our project was a, was a sales spin on, on the five ways to well-being. So our project was called Five Salespeople Discuss Five Ways to Well-Being. Um, yeah. so we, we invited five of our students. Some were alumni. Some were students at the time. They've now graduated. And we had people from all levels of seniority. Um, so we had someone who was a chief sales officer, uh, and we had someone who was in their first few years in sales as an account manager. Um, and we asked them to reflect on, from the lens of a salesperson, how do you exhibit these five areas, these five ways to well-being? Um, the project was, you know, ultimately it's the same goal as what we're trying to do this year. We're trying to get salespeople talking about mental health. Um, and, and that's really important to me. You know, I've got, um, I've got bipolar. So I've always been quite keen on spreading the word about positive mental practices. And, and, and now I'm a salesperson myself. I think it's really important that we're looking out for our, our community uh, and encouraging them to think about positive ways they can improve their mental well-being. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, evidence from last year. It doesn't matter if you're a junior, if you're a senior, um, it doesn't matter your role. Everyone processes things differently and everyone feels pressure in different ways. And mental well-being is just something that needs to be... Um, or front of mind every now and again. And that's why I think Mental Health Awareness Week is such a good initiative. I wish, you know, throughout the rest of the year, we could be more conscious. I think sometimes we, we quite often forget, don't we, how important it is to recognize mental health. I know that you and I quite often discuss this and we, we bring up the five ways occasionally yeah. um, to, to see, well, are we still living that? Are we still, um, you know, living by the five ways? And quite often, it's, it's you recognise actually you might be dropping dropping something. I don't know what you think about that. No, I, I agree. That, you know, sometimes these weeks, whether they're mental health awareness week or, or any other important cause out there, they are a great reminder. But I totally agree that things fall by the wayside. You know, if Mental Health Awareness Week is in May, how are you really doing in November? Six yeah. months after Mental Health Awareness Week, six months before the next one. And, and like you say, I like that we talk about the five ways uh, in our reflections, whether that's on a weekly basis or whenever we get the chance to. Um, and that's why I really like it as a framework, because it's simple. Yeah. And we can't overcomplicate our approaches to mental health. We need to keep it simple because by doing that, people are more likely to build them into their daily practices. And that's where it will really start to pay dividends for the individual. I totally agree. So what was your big takeaway then from last year? And do you feel like you are living the five ways? And how can we make sure we can... I don't know, uh, include the habits that we recognize, you know, lead to a positive mental health well-being? Well, my, my biggest takeaway from last year was 
I was enamoured at how vulnerable people were when they came in to get filmed for the project. Yeah. Uh, and, and that, for me, is something that's really important, creating an environment with other people that allows us to create sort of trusted relationships. You know, uh, I remember in my undergraduate doing some research on the topic of vulnerability for, from, from the sales perspective. Uh, and there was a source that I looked at which says, uh, allowing ourselves to be seen as imperfect um, allows us to be trusted. And mm. the reason I say I was quite enamored by that in the five salespeople, it, it just created a very transparent environment where people were comfortable to talk about perhaps some of the challenges that they face in their life. And, and that perhaps contrasts to the typical image you might have of a salesperson. Um, you know, particularly if we look at Carl Day, who we're, we're going to talk about later in the podcast, because uh, there's an article we want to reflect on. You know, he's a sales leader, very senior in the tech industry, yet he was able to come and talk from, as you'll see if you watch the Connect video, for example, if you watch that video back, he was showing a level of vulnerability. But what that does is... In, in his company, for example, in Apogee, that means there's not so much fear around talking about mental health. If you can see people like leaders talking openly, then you, you, you don't have the fear or perhaps the anxiety that you might want to open up about some of the struggles you're having. Yeah, I think it just makes you realize that everyone is human at the end of the day. Mm. And actually we, we all operate in a very professional capacity, but sometimes you forget actually you're human after all. And um, and kind of speaking openly about mental health is one of those things that can really help create that sense of trust and uh, connection with someone else. Mm. Um, you mentioned anxiety, and this kind of leads me on to kind of what the focus is on this next week. So the Mental Health Awareness Week um, is highlighting anxiety. Um, and what we want to do is discuss in this podcast around uh, anxiety and sales. And I thought I would just start by, by kind of commenting on um, how the Mental Health Foundation uh, defines what anxiety is. And I think as sales professionals, we can, we can quite often relate to it. So anxiety can affect us physically and mentally. Um, and if you are feeling anxious, you might notice things like your heart rate increasing, headaches, loss of appetite, breathlessness or, or chest pain. Anxiety might make you feel really tense or nervous in a situation. Um, you potentially might find it hard to relax, you might feel tearful, or have problems sleeping and concentrating. And friends and colleagues might notice that um, if you are irritable, um, you know, lack of patience, or, or just more withdrawn. And as, as I was reading, you know, how, how they define it, there's certainly parts of it that I can really relate to. Um, I'm sure we all can working in sales. So, yeah, Luke, I, I kind of guess over to, over to you. What 
you know, how do you think anxiety manifests in in your role? One of one of the most obvious forms of anxiety that, that I experience, for example, is is overthinking and overanalyzing any sales email that I send. Um, so if you think of anxiety as sort of fear or worry, you know, so it's a it's a negative state of mind that suggests you're in a, you know, you're experiencing poor mental well-being. Um, and for me, that's one that I get concerned about all the time. So why might I have fear, fear or worry uh, about a way I've approached someone? Well, it's quite hard to explain, right? Because, you know, I believe anxiety is, is, is irrational. A lot of the time, if you go to, for example, analyze, overanalyze a sales email that you sent, there is no reason why you should be of fear or worry. You know, my job is business development and I am emailing a prospect to see if they would like to buy, let's just say. Mm. That's my job. You know, I do it all the time. I've been doing it for around five or six years. And when I send an email, for example, I'm always going to try my best uh, to do it professionally, to send emails to people that they might actually want to receive. Um, and hopefully get a positive response. But yeah. where I experience anxiety, uh, I start to think, oh, do they think I'm not a very good salesperson? Did I use language that was too colloquial for that individual? Um, was I too audacious? You know, if we link it back to the, the, the sales mindsets that we talk about on the podcast so much. We recognize how important it is for salespeople to be bold and daring, um, mm. but to do it in a tactful way. You know, for me, that can sometimes be a source of anxiety. Um, if I'm trying to catch the attention of the buyer, um, and I, I feel that perhaps I've been a little bit too audacious, I can find myself spending time and energy uh, thinking about things and running scenarios through in my mind. You, know, you, you start to come up with a million scenarios and, and, and make erratic conclusions about perhaps what that person thinks about you, um, what that person might think about the company you work for. Um, and so I think what I've explained there is, is I've, I've kind of referred to the spiraling nature of anxiety, how yeah. one small action as a salesperson as simple as one sales email can lead very quickly to um, this sort of sporadic thinking um, about things that are really out of your control. It's really interesting. And I, I was doing a bit of research before we started recording this session. And um, I always thought, obviously, sales is a, is a very stressful um, kind of environment to operate in and you know there is there is so much pressure that I think as salespeople um, we, we live not just in terms of you know closing a deal or generating revenue or keeping customers you know um, but I was I was shocked by for example the American Institute of Stress which I had never come across before um, have sales 
professions as the second second highest job related stress industry as it were only to healthcare professionals and i just um you know that and i think that's it's really important to have this discussion around anxiety in sales as i'm quite sure so many people can relate to it you know since sales is in in my experience can be quite a lonely place um and and, and that can be created by various things for example uh, the competitive nature of sales so you can you can create a environment of loneliness in, in, almost in your own head it's your own making um that you perhaps feel that you're competing with colleagues uh, for, for deals or uh, to be the top performer in, in your in your sales force and there's a lot of pressure in, in sales that comes from uh, being responsible for hitting a target um, and I, I, how I, what I would liken that to is I believe the, the job of a salesperson in a lot of cases can actually be written down in one sentence. You, you can usually nullify this, the sales job to you are responsible for hitting a target. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a lot of organizations out there and you could, you could even say our own organization. That, that is the the first and foremost objective. Um, and if you were to hit that, then you could say you've had a good year. If you look at other jobs, let's say operations, logistics, marketing, there are many objectives for the, for the person to hit. You know, they might have different tasks and responsibilities, different projects going on throughout the year. But if you look at a salesperson, typically they're going to have the number to hit um, and I think that that can create a lot of pressure for that individual. They feel that there's sort of the be all and end all is to hit their target. And if they don't do that, um, then what, what are the ramifications going to be? Yeah, it's a tricky one to manage. Do you, do you think there's a obvious solution out there that can kind of mitigate against that kind of stressful dynamic that salespeople live? Well, it's a good question. Um, ultimately, you know, you, you said in your, in your research, you found sales was the second most stressful occupation. Yeah. Um, do I think that would be changed? Perhaps not, you know, sales is, sales is a really well-paid profession generally. Um, I like to think in, in, in careers and, in, you know, what, what salaries you might earn in different occupations, that there's, that there's an opportunity cost involved, right? You know, let's say you go to the medical profession, you know, you study at university for six years, um, you work an incredible number of hours, you deal with a lot of stress, but hey, if you become a brain surgeon, um, you know, you're probably going to be earning between six and seven figures a year. Um, so there's, that's your reward for it. Similarly, in sales, I, I, I feel that that's part of the job is to, is to take the, the stress out of the organization. Um, you know, you, you have to go out there and find new business. You have to, you have to generate income from existing customers. Um, you have to be the, your, your, your client facing a lot of the time. So if there's, any, if there's ever any issue, you're the person it's directed at. 
now we want to talk the positives. You know, you said, how can you take that out? Well, for me, it comes down to leadership, first and foremost. Yeah. I mean, and I, I, t- I agree. And I think it was the article in the Business Leader that talks about how important leadership is in order to cultivate a safe space for people to um, operate in sales in a, in a healthy way. Um, I think there was a, a survey done um, where something like a quarter of salespeople were, were diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder in the last 12 months, um, which is incredibly high. And I wonder if that is you know, the backdrop of the world in which we're also operating in, you know, all the uncertainty, the cost of living, the interest rates, you know, all these things are are making it harder to operate as a sales professional. But I was just so surprised by how many salespeople were diagnosed with anxiety. But what, what was interesting is leadership, as you mentioned, is really key in order to create that that safe space um, and compassion from management is really important and can significantly uh, positively impact the mental health of, of salespeople. And if you, you know, if you are listening to this and are, are questioning what we're saying, I mean, this is a stark, um, stark reminder, you know, in this survey that. of salespeople are considering leaving their current job due to problems with their mental health. And as we know, there is a current problem with retainment retainment issues in sales. And so, yeah, it just, again, it just highlights uh, this importance of just being aware of mental health, aware that sales jobs are really highly stressful. And um, and so cultivating safe spaces for people to operate is crucial. And, and, and that's why I think it's, it's, it's down to the leadership to, to create that culture. So, Luke, how can leadership help create that culture? Well, you know, well, I'm not a leader, but <laughs> I think we should take a look at one of our one of the leaders in our network um, because I think it's a, it's a fantastic case study in brilliant leadership um, in regards to looking out for people's mental health. Um, and it actually comes from Carl Day at Apogee. Mm. And, you know, I, I mentioned earlier how, how enamored I was at the vulnerability people showed in that project last year. Um, And I should actually take it a step back because when I first came up with the idea of doing the project, Carl was the first person I emailed about it. And, you know, I just talked to that as well about how I get anxious about sending emails to people, right? So um, I send an email to Carl saying, hey, we're really not sure what it's going to look like yet, but I kind of want to get five salespeople to, to be filmed talking about mental health. And he replied probably in about 10 minutes, which was 
I mean, I was so grateful for that, but because it really put a impetus into the project. You know, I, I felt that there was immediate buy-in from Carl. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and his, his attitude is the same as the attitude you and I have about doing this podcast today. You know, if, if one person has a listen and, and feels a bit better about themselves afterwards, then we've done a good job. And Carl had that. That was Carl's ethos for last year's project. Um, he was more than happy to give up half of his day to come and sit on a sofa for half an hour and ask a couple of questions, you know, on the off chance that someone might watch it and, and benefit from it. Yeah, I had a lot of respect to, to Carl for that. And it came as no surprise to me um, when I came across this article to find that he's featuring in uh, articles talking about mental health culture in his sales team. Yeah. So what does, it, what does he say in the article, Luke? Well, I think that the first thing he talks about is, is how Carl wanted to change the culture at Apogee in terms of taking pressure off the salespeople. Um, and he, talk, he talks about this in terms of sales pressure. He says, such pressure is rarely effective he says, but it does generate significant levels of stress, particularly if the goals are unrealistic. No matter how successful a salesperson is, they always fear they'll be out of a job if they don't hit their targets. Yeah. If the company doesn't create the right opportunities, offer the right support, or change the inputs, it can create a lot of anxiety because things are simply out of your control. And I just thought that... <clears throat> What was what's impressive about Carl's approach there is he's looking at the bigger picture. Um, yeah. You know, I don't know what it's like to be a sales leader, but you know, I imagine Carl is under pressure himself to ensure that the sales force at Apogee are performing successfully. You know, hitting their targets. Uh, so for Carl to recognise that stress is going to have an adverse effect on financial performance. Is, is is very very forward thinking, and 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 that's demonstrated by by the fact that he he, he realizes that you need to look at alternative ways uh, to it to improve a sales force rather than just the old school put pressure on them. Yeah, it's a very short term approach, I think, for a manager to to put short term, you know, pressure on. On their salespeople to get results is isn't going to get the results over a long term. It may it may increase high turnover rate of your employees and and so on. Um, but you, I mean, it's amazing that Carl recognizes that he needs to engage with his team in a way that isn't just putting undue stress and pressure on their teams and um, yeah, creating that 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 space and i think he's he talks a lot about training and development and he talks a lot about um coaching as a method to uh, unlock the potential of his team and i know that uh, apogee um and they've done work with a ex royal marine haven't they yeah they, they've done work with baz gray on uh, you know building resilience in their team. Yeah. So, 
yeah, I just like the abstract way that Cole looks at the problem. Um, looking at alternative ways to build the salespeople up so that they are more likely to achieve the targets in the long run. Because, um, you know, he, he puts it here, he uses the phrase that, that with pressure, people simply run out of ideas and become stale. Their focus tends to narrow when they are put under too much pressure. Now, I think he, his, his, his approach to, to mental health is to create this environment of openness, um, create trust, you know, allow people to develop, talk about their strengths and weaknesses openly, um, and then he'll address those through training and development. And suddenly he's got a more effective sales force. Yeah. It's also backed up by the Journal of Business and Psychology, where they found that salespeople with high levels of anxiety had lower sales revenue and fewer sales than those with lower levels of anxiety. And so creating the right culture within your sales team, um, building that positive culture is, you know, is the way forward. That is how you will ultimately achieve success over the long term. And it's, it's worth mentioning, though, he does say it takes time, requires a lot of resilience. So yeah, that's, that's perhaps a, a point to it, that if you want to manage salespeople just purely with pressure, you know, to me, that's a lazy tactic. Um, you know, that, that's relied upon by perhaps managers who, who aren't genuine leaders. You know, they're, mm. they're only... Um, the only thing in their armory is to is to scream and shout at their salespeople um, and expect results through through fear. But clearly, that's not that's not going to work in the long term. And like you said, seventy three percent of salespeople considered leaving their job due to due to problems with their mental health. Of course, you know that has yeah implications on not just on on staff and the morale and within your organization, but you know, it filters filters across everything. If you're feeling anxious, then you know, that the perception with your colleagues can be quite negative as well. And then that can filter through to the customer perception too. And there are studies to that highlight you know, customers are pretty perceptive when dealing with salespeople. So I think we've we've talked about, you know, what anxiety is. Um, you know, the fact it's it, it really is very uh, prevalent in sales as a whole. Now I kind of want to talk about, well, how as salespeople can we manage anxiety? I know it's really important from a from a leadership point of view, and I, we've. We've discussed that, that the environment, the culture has to be right. And um, But for individuals working in sales, what can we do? What, what are we in control of that can help manage um, those occasions where you might be feeling anxious? And do you have any experience, Luke, on this that you'd want to share with us? Yeah, of course. So, you know, shortly after my diagnosis with bipolar, um, I went through cognitive behavioral therapy um, and, and a number of other you know, therapeutical interventions. And 
the one thing I learned is is the importance of communication. And I'll hone in on this because on one hand, we have talked about the importance of positive leadership, but it's very important for the individual to communicate how they're feeling um, as best as they can. You know, I'll give, give some examples of that. Um, if you're experiencing anxiety, let's say, on a, on a daily basis, when have you communicated that to your manager? Have you taken the opportunity to share that with them? You know, so, you know, as you know, Will, you, you're, you're, my, you're my line manager. Um, I'm sure you, 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 you could testify to, to the fact that, that, that I'm quite transparent about uh, my mental health um, and also being quite comfortable to raise the alarm if, if there's ever any need for it. You know, give a good example. I was going through a tough time a couple of months ago, uh, experiencing, well, I'd say moderate depression. And I was finding it quite hard to, to function at work. Um, and I was a bit concerned about some face-to-face -face interactions that I had coming up. So I had some, some customer visits booked. And I, I, I wasn't sure how, how they were going to go. So I, I, I remember sort of calling you up saying, you know, I'm struggling to even wake up in the morning. Um, I, I've got a, a real lack of interest in work at the moment. Um, what can we do about it? <clears throat> the result of that conversation was that you said, are you happy to visit that client on, the, on next Tuesday? And I said, well, yeah, it would do me good. It would do me good to get out of the house, get on the road in the car, go and see that customer. But you were able to, well, you basically told me not to do much work for two days, is what you did. And that, for me, was only possible by me talking about how I was feeling. Yeah. So, yeah, of course, I commend your management, by the way. That was, that was a good, yeah, <laughs> great, that was, that was a great move. Thanks, mate. But, <laughs> but, and the but isn't a but against you, the but is... You or any manager would not have been able to make that intervention if your reportee, aka me, hadn't said how they were feeling. Yeah, so you're, you're not um, you're not a mind reader, right? So this is why I think there's a lot of onus on the individual being transparent about how they're feeling, um, because otherwise. You don't give you don't give your line manager or your organisation the opportunity to to put things in place to help you. Yeah, it's a it's a good point because I guess in this dynamic that we're we're talking about, um, it's not like you know Consalia doesn't have a we're not a massive company, but um, you know you you report into me and um, you know to. I wouldn't describe myself as a, as a, as a leader, as it were, <laughs> but, um, I certainly understand the importance of, um, getting to know really closely the people that I'm working with, regardless of whether or not, you know, someone's reporting into you or not. Mm. Um, and really understanding the current sort of mindset that someone is in and then as in my role as a manager I'd, I'm 
acutely aware of um, how can I, you know, what's in my toolbox, as it were, to understand and empathize with where you are, with your mindsets, and then align that with um, sort of the the goals and objectives of what we need to do. And so when and I, there's no way I could do that if you um, weren't approaching me, because otherwise I would al- always think that you're running at 100% capacity. And it's just not realistic to think that someone can be running at 100% capacity all the time. And um, I remember that quite well, Luke, because, you know, this was just off the back of what was a really intense period uh, where we were having to close quite a few opportunities. And in those periods, I know that it's really full on. And, um, you know, there is no let up and it can be pretty relentless and um, you can have knockbacks from customers who say, you know, they say all the right things and then right at the last minute, they sort of change their mind. I mean, we've all experienced this and it's the highs and lows of sales. Yeah, I I was going to point out, actually, that it's, it's even harder to manage in the hybrid world. Mm. You know, I, I personally come into the office once a week. You know, if, uh, if my legs were chopped off on Wednesday, you wouldn't know until the next Tuesday because you only see me on the screen. You only see my face and my shoulders. You know, yeah. so if you imagine that, I'd probably tell you if my legs were chopped off. Um, yeah. I'd probably be in hospital. But the point is, you know, that we take that as just an analogy that there's a lot of things you can't even see physically in, in, when we're working online or remote. So just how hard is it? Just how challenging is it to see what's going on in the mind of someone else? Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's nigh on impossible. And yeah, you're right. It's so difficult to do, especially if you're not seeing someone face to face. Because you're relying then on um, on being proactive, and it could be me, you know, checking in and saying, "Look, are you are you okay? Um, how are you finding you know life at the moment in your job, and what stresses are you are you under?" But it also helps if if you're open and having these frank discussions, because you're absolutely right in a in a hybrid world, um, it's much harder to observe, you know. I think you can see if someone is feeling um, demotivated in, an, in the office, you know, people can, you can pick up on it. You can. Because, you know, you can hide, you can almost hide behind a screen, can't you, when you're in, you just have to be on point for the half an hour to an hour that you're, you're on the screen. But for the rest of the time, there could be things going on that you're not aware of. That's right. You know, you know, I, I speak from personal experience. You know, when I say it's easy to put on a show, you know, yeah, I, I can I can show people that my life is is perfect um, and everything's fine um, when inside it's not. You know, because 
I've got a lot, you know, I've got manic depression. So, you know, I, I know, I know how to, I know the condition well enough that I know how to mask it to, to the outside world. Um, mm. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that makes dealing with depression and anxiety is, you know, anxiety being the theme of this year's Mental Health Awareness Week makes it so hard to deal with because it's hidden and the, the individual can hide it from other people. Yeah. Um, and, and that's why there's, you know, unfortunately no simple solution to the problem. Um, but albeit, you know, we're not health experts, but, you know, we're, we're throwing out there the five ways to well-being, uh, you know, go and have a look at Carl Day's leadership, you know, so there's a few things out there that people can, can look to and follow. Um, and yeah. then, you know, most importantly, this, this honest and transparency that, 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 that we're, we're on about. But that, and as you were saying that, I was thinking, I was thinking the same. Well, it goes back to the five ways. It is, you know, making sure you are connecting to people, making sure you're taking notice, um, giving, you know, and I always think in, in my world, time is always the thing that you're short of. Give time, you know, create that, that time for other people. If I relate it back to anxiety and go back to how we, you know, defined anxiety and what were the symptoms of it, one of them is, um, one of them, correct me if I'm wrong, to, like when you're withdrawn. And so if you've, if you notice someone hasn't really been communicating with you for a while you know one day you wake up and you say think oh i haven't spoken to this person how are they doing mm. you know pick up the phone find out and, and connect and take notice give them time i'm sure it'll be okay but um is is just by the act of doing that kind of thing i think we can raise the profile of of the importance of mental health you know you don't need to you don't need to speak every time oh how's your mental health but just by the action of taking of taking notice and so on um you know you're creating that environment that is going to reduce the the stress and the anxiety that i think people are living with and for me you talk about the taking notice part you know what, what do i do to try and relieve anxiety you know mm. For me, if we see anxiety as fear or worry, we can attribute anxiety to the past or the future. Seldom are we in a position where we are anxious about the present. Now, that does happen. Say, for example, we're doing a sales pitch or going on a first date or whatever. You are in the present and you are anxious about that scenario. But for me, I begin each day with you know morning reflections you know what, what have i got for the day ahead um and then in the evening when i take stock before i go to sleep try and end with a period of med meditation every day um and what i try and do is encapsulate all the fear and worry into that day mm. so i'm always going to be possibly anxious about something that's coming ahead in my morning my morning routine, but at the end of the day, I try and say goodbye to that day. You know, leave those things there. It doesn't always work. Oh, I'm not a, I'm not a, a monk, but um, <laughs> but by doing that, I try and recognise that 
there's always going to be fears or worries in our life um, yeah. and they are going to sometimes govern our behavior or our actions but as best as possible try and live in the present you know that's why earlier we went for a walk in bushy park with a coffee i didn't have much fear or worry the whole time i don't think i did have any fear or worry because you know we relate it back to the the five ways you know you and i were connected give it was my round um take notice you know for me i love walking i'm off on a hiking holiday next week you know for me that's when i really take notice of my surroundings being in nature whether it's a mountain or a park or walking alongside a river um learn you know in an abstract way i i relate the learning part when you're spending time with someone else to learn what's going on in their life it's not always picking up a book or doing a degree as much as I'd like to say that, <laughs> just for a sales perspective. Um, mm. but sometimes it's like, what can I actually learn about someone else? Do I know what they're going through right now? Um, yeah. And then being active does what it says on the tin, you know. Um, and, and there's no surprise that, like I said, I, I had no fear and worry for that, for that hour. I wasn't thinking about anything else. Yeah, yeah. For me, it's always, you know, in the, in the sales context, it's um, it's when you have a big meeting or a big pitch, and it's the moment where you walk, you walk in through the room and you're meeting everyone. Quite often, there's new faces in there, and very quickly, uh, you want to make a positive impression, right? We're we're in sales and. We want to make that positive impression. And it's that kind of, those kind of thoughts, that internal monologue that you have um, can, can be a bit distracting sometimes. It's tough getting up in front of people. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I, that's, I have to say, you know, one of my primary sources of anxiety as a salesperson. Yeah. Um, I'm incredibly confident one-to-one love talking with people um but you put me up in front of a group of people um and my heart rate goes up um my, my mouth gets dry uh and i suddenly think loads of people are looking at me um yeah. you know and it's it's tough I, I had it um we were delivering to a client a workshop um uh, steve invited me to um to, to get involved at one point, you know, he's just trying to sort of coach me into trying new things. And I absolutely folded in front of everyone. I, I was like, like this, I couldn't even get words out. And I was like, I just wanted, I wanted to be, I wanted to fall through the floor. Um, but, you know, sometimes conquering those fears that can help, you know, maybe in time, Maybe I'll, maybe I'll learn to, to, to deal with that. You know, I probably yeah. need to, for me, I need to be looking at what is the fear there. You know, you, you could talk about fear in general, but what, what exactly is the fear? And it was funny, one of, one of our mm-hmm. colleagues, Hillary, was straight into coaching mode, and she was asking me exactly that sort of question. Um, yeah. Five minutes later, she's like, well, what are you scared of? I was like, oh, I don't know. I, 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 I'm not entirely sure 
what I was scared of in that scenario. Um, it's just an irrational thought that I can't do public speaking. The and so it's so one of the aha moments that that kind of resonates with me, and it's it kind of relates to about what you've just said. But we um, we're very keen on the growth mindset, Carol Dweck's growth mindset. And for me personally, that was such an aha moment where you view, um, you either have a fixed or a growth mindset and the fixed is like what you've just described. I can't do public speaking. Mm -hmm. Or you view it through a growth mindset and you think every opportunity is a learning opportunity. So failure is okay because you're, you're going to learn from it. Um, or you put yourself in, in positions that are sort of outside of your comfort zone. And of course, you might feel um, uncomfortable, vulnerable, stressed, anxious. Um, but also it's in those opportunities that I think uh, you can grow and you can learn a lot and you can develop. So I think there are situations where it's, it's normal to have these kind of senses, these these emotions where you feel anxious and it's not something um, you know necessarily you, you need to be avoiding. It's having that uh, growth mindset of saying, okay, accepting things not every time go your way, learning from it and then reflecting on it. Uh, you've mentioned reflection that you do every morning and um, I tell you, you know, I agree, I think. You can reflect on, in, and for for action, and um, these are really good skills that can stand you in good stead to process things that um, you know that are outside of the norm. Yeah, I like that point. And, and relating back to the example, you know, failure would have been saying, "No, I will not stand up and talk." Yeah, because yeah. I'm not going to get the opportunity to learn what what I did well, what I could do better, um, and what I wouldn't do again. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it sort of opens me up to the counter-argument to what we've talked about in terms of pressure. Mm. Uh, you know, I, I saw, saw the phrase, you know, pressure makes diamonds, as it does, you know, extreme pressure. And... In, in, my, in my life, there, there have been times where, where pressure has been incredibly healthy. You know, one of the things I, I struggle with is, is, is waking up in the morning. I sometimes uh, have a lack of motivation, or, and it's also caused by the medication I take. Having sometimes the pressure of a sales job has been absolutely brilliant to me. Um, from a sort of getting me, get, well, I say it, get, get me out of bed in the morning, but giving me a real sort of um, a force, a, a sort of um, a motivation, a, a purpose. You know, mm. I like the fact that my sales job can be whittled down to one sentence. I talked about that earlier about how that might lend itself to pressure. If you could say that ultimately your job is to you know, <laughs> I won't say how many students, but, you know, let's say my job is to get 60 students to start a year. 
let's just say, off the top of the head. I like that simplicity. That gives me a lot of drive. Gives me a lot of focus because I can come into work or I can start work each day uh, and I can start chipping away at that, that goal. You know, in, 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 in the past, I, I had a job as a junior consultant and I was never really sure what I was doing each day. I was sort of going to team meetings and I'd be told, oh, you know, oh, you're doing this. Uh, you're going to help that, make that PowerPoint presentation or you're going to do that research. Um, you're going to do this Excel spreadsheet. And you felt like you were sort of very much like told what to do each day. Whereas mm. sales for me, it gives a huge amount of purpose and also independence. Yeah. Um, and I would credit uh, a lot of my sort of development as an individual to having worked in sales. And, yeah. you know, we've also talked about how there's a higher rate of depression in salespeople, which is really important to acknowledge. And that suggests that more could be done to support salespeople. But I'm the opposite. I was diagnosed with manic depression, then decided to become a salesperson. Right? You know, I contribute to that statistic, right? Yeah. But the other way around. And I have to say, although there can be pressure of having a target, in my mind, I love the clarity of sales. You have a very simple job, you know, particularly in business development as a specific, you know, that's what I do. Yeah, it's very clear. And I think a lot of anxiety we've talked about can come from miscommunication and people not being clear of each other. You know, my job's very clear at Consalia. Get people to do an apprenticeship. You know, <laughs> there's, there's, you could look at it in, 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 in as abstract way you like. You could write a really long job description if you want. I probably won't read it, by the way. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> but the point, the, the point is, most salespeople can whittle their job down to one sentence, yeah. and uh, that, that, that clarity is 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 really is really quite healthy in some ways. Yeah, and so I I just wanted to sort of I've got lots of th- things going on in my mind at the moment, and I'm just wondering, you know, as a well, Consolia is a sales business school. We understand that um, anxiety manifests itself as a uh, as as something within the sales industry, and I think the research has shown that it is really prevalent, and it's something that needs to be spoken about. You know, mm-hmm. and that's what we're doing today. But I also want to kind of think about, you know, how can we support everyone who's working as a sales profession, uh, who who is a sales professional even, and. Um, you know, understand that, you know, we're, we can support each other. And, um, you know, it brings me back to, to, um, to a sense of community and how, how sales professionals need to be part of a, of a community. And this is something that I really want to address. And this is something that I think Consalia can really help uh, bring uh, sales professionals together in a in a place that is outside of their work environments to support one another one another going 
going through all of the challenges that they go through from a, a sales point of view. You know, whether that is with mental health or whether that is um, challenges that they need to overcome uh, with customers and things like that. I think as a industry, we should form a, a community. Yeah, very challenging to do. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't think we can uh, do it overnight. But if well, we, you know, as you said right at the beginning, if we can help one person, yeah, I, I would say actually easy to do, very challenging to do effectively. Mm. You know, you don't want it just to be, um, you know, some virtue signaling LinkedIn page that a thousand people join, and you know, you then turn around and say we're helping people. Because we've got a thousand no, people, no, and and it, but you you know you 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 you've done your uh, you did your master's research on communities. Um, mm. Communities are so so impactful, um, particularly when they work like, well, like he says. Yeah, 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 it requires participation and a willingness to share and to share knowledge and insights and. Um, and from what we're discussing, it needs to be personal as well. Yeah. And, I, and that's, that's not something easy to do. But, uh, you know, even on, the, even on the subject of mental, um, mental health, I still don't think people talk about it enough. And would, they, would people be open in talking about it in a, you know, to a wider audience in a community? Well, you know, I've got a, a community of two people, um, so I don't think that's large enough to call a community. Uh, but he, he and I meet once a week, pretty much yeah. once a week. And it's kind of exactly as you were describing in terms of what a what community for mental health people could be. Um, you know, we, we, we both bring to the table different things each week. Um, but ultimately, we, we, we pull each other up. Uh, yeah. We really do support each other. And it's got me thinking, your question about what we could do. And then I'm like, well, how can I, you know, how could we extrapolate what me and this guy do each week? Um, but then you're, you also said, would people be open to talking like that in a large community? Um, I would go back to <laughs> the stuff that, me and my friend talk about on our weekly chats wouldn't be talked about in the community. Um, yeah. not, 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 not from a not safe for work perspective. I mean, sometimes it is probably that sort of content and we talk about all sorts of things, but most importantly, it's because we both trust each other. Um, so we come to each other with, with whatever's going on in our heads. Um, mm. and you know, it won't go any further than that. That obviously in a circle, it's two people. Um, yeah. But it's certainly, I'm really glad you brought that up um, because I think Consigner are, are looking to do more with, um, bring out this, the, is it the sales transformation community? I, yes, I believe so. I mean, there's more to come on, on that. Um, but yeah, we want to, you know, we want to connect and support and elevate the, the profession and I think um you know the reason why I brought it up 
in this podcast is because as you said is it's around connecting connecting people and um one thing you also said earlier was you know sometimes it can be quite a lonely place operating in sales mm. and i'm i'm fairly sure that the problems each of us as individuals are going through are shared with other people yeah. and um i think that sharing is what's really what is what a community is about but it's also what is valuable and it can be so valuable for um for the sales profession as a as a way to support and elevate and uh to connect with each other and uh, and learn from each other and things like that mm. yeah more to come on that <laughs> undefined but i think it's a really good idea Beautiful. yeah look forward to hearing well luke thank you so much for your time and talking about mental health from your experience um i for one found it find it really interesting fascinating and i know there's more that we can do um but i think you know discussing mental health on a platform like a podcast um, is so important and hopefully it leads to more and more sales people discussing mental health openly um, getting the help that they need and deserve and ensuring that they're working in a really positive way um, that isn't leading to anxiety in sales so thank you very much absolutely and you know, thanks for having me on and um... You know, I'll, I'll, I'll finish with this. You know, if there's anyone listening um, or, or watching the, the videos on LinkedIn, be, um, if you fancy having a chat about mental health, just give us a shout. Um, you know, always up for having a conversation with someone who wants to half a problem, a problem shared is a problem halved, or even if you want to talk yeah. about anything. So, yeah, offers there. Yeah, so and don't listen to me. And um, Luke will be very discreet, and it won't be recorded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it won't be yeah. Yeah. shared on as a podcast. But yeah, great. Thank you, Luke. Cheers. Well, we enjoyed making this.